today. Let us have open hearts to fully receive everything that you have for us. If there's anything that would be blocking that receiving of your perfect love, would you just remove it, get it out of the way today, that we can see you clearly, that we can hear your voice, that we can just connect to the living God. You are our source of life. We can do nothing apart from you. And I ask that you would just pour out a fresh blessing of your love and your grace and your mercy, the truth of who you are on every single heart today. Lord, we love you. We give you our lives. We are so grateful to have a loving father, a beautiful king, and a best friend, a savior, that lion and the lamb. And we pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. 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 And thank you, Jessica. There's two words that stood out in what you were just singing for us there. And one is slave and one is fear. This is a season during the pandemic when fear kind of bubbles up from time to time. You might be watching the news and you start to think, oh, man. Or you see the explosion in Beirut and think, what, what if that happened here? What, what would we do? Um, are people in charge? You see riots pretty much everywhere in the world. And you think, what if that happens in my neighborhood? And what if things don't get back to normal? What if this thing lasts a couple of years? And little bits of fear start to kind of bubble up inside of us. And we can become slaves to fear really quickly. And the word slave that uh, you were singing there, Jessica, the slave thing. We're going to talk today about the Israelites coming out of slavery, but they didn't come out of slavery and into wonderful prosperity. They came out of slavery and they ended up in the desert. And in the desert, they found their identity. And we're going to talk about that today. And once again, as Jessica mentioned at the beginning of the service, if you can grab some water and some bread, we're going to talk about water from the rock and manna. And we're going to do a little participatory thing at the end. So grab some bread and some water. Just any water and any bread will do. We are in a sermon series in the wilderness, thriving in difficult times. And the Israelites came out of slavery, as we just uh, talked about. They came out of slavery in Egypt, and they had this massive miracle and this ecstasy in the in the Red Sea as they walked through on dry land, and there was water on both sides, and the and the Pharaoh and the chariots, you know, it's, uh, it was really exciting. It's, it's like the Angels winning the Super Bowl, except uh, Super Bowl. <laughs> angels winning the World Series. Get ahead of myself. Get ahead of my tongue there. It, uh, the whole kind of thing coming together times 10. And so they're all excited. They're dancing the tambourines, the whole thing. And then they look at where they have to go, and it's desert. And it's dry. And there's no food, there's no water, there's no rest stops, there's none of that stuff. And they're thinking, what now? What now? Is God still with us? It didn't take long for fear to creep in because they had this just fantastic miracle of being saved at the Red Sea. And then they turn away from the Red Sea and look at wilderness, desert. And they ask, has God left us? Is God still with us? Why would he bring us across the Red Sea to do nothing but face desert? And that's how a lot of us feel right now. It's, uh, we're facing this pandemic, and it, we don't know where it ends. We don't know how long it's going to last. Is it going to be over in a few weeks? We'll be sliding back into normalcy, or is it going to be the same thing next summer? We don't know. And that's the thing about the desert. You don't know. 
and we don't know what's coming. Uh, all of these futurists, these people predicting stuff, and, and these, these pandemics come and go. My wife and I saw a video on the history of pandemics, and the problem with pandemics is they happen so rarely that no one's alive to remember them, and we have no experience in dealing with them. And even our best leaders really, they've never done this before. And so we kind of muddle through it. And another thing that's always true about a pandemic is people don't really know what's going on and they think they do. This, this happens all through history. I've heard so many opinions on this thing. And, and the opinions are divergent, not convergent. And they can't all be true. But we face this unknown time, just like the Israelites. And we ask ourselves, where is God in all this? You know, in our culture, I just don't hear that on the news. What are, what are we praying for? What are we doing? God is just sort of an afterthought for those of us of faith, but he doesn't seem to be in the middle of the discussion on what to do about this. I don't see much of this from our leaders, except for maybe a little God bless you at the end of a speech or something. And we ask ourselves, is God still with us as our churches are more or less empty and Christian activity is sort of at a loss for what to do? Has God left us as we face the desert? I'm going to teach you some super easy Hebrew. The word ma means what? What? Na, on the other hand, na is how they pronounce the exclamation point. Hoshia na means save us now, Hosanna. Uh, they actually pronounce the exclamation point. That'd be kind of cool to do that in English too, just say na at the end of our sentences when we really mean it. And so na is how they pronounce the exclamation point, and ma is like, what is it? And na is exclamation point, and that's what they call bread from heaven. Mana, what is this stuff? What is this stuff? This, this is weird. And there's a lot of weird stuff coming our way, too, in the next few months and years, and it's just very, very strange. It's very strange to be sitting here looking at a camera, and I'm trying to see and feel you behind the camera, you who are listening. And I just want you to know that we love you, we care about you, we haven't forgotten about you, you're very important to us, and we're going to continue to get through this whole thing together. But the question ma and ma na got asked all the way through the book of Exodus, especially right after crossing the Red Sea. So if you go to Exodus 14, verse 2, Israel says to Moses, the people of Israel, what have you done to us? Ma, what have you done to us? Why have you brought us out here to die? And this is before the Red Sea thing. So the, the chariots are coming up behind them. The Red Sea's in front of them. They're between a rock and a hard place. And who do they blame? The leader. It is no fun to be a leader right now. Whether you're a governor, a county commissioner, a mayor, a president, a prime minister, whatever, it is no fun. Nobody signs up for this kind of thing. I can't believe anybody would want to be a leader right now because they get blamed for everything. Democrat or Republican, they get blamed for everything. And Moses got blamed all the way through the Exodus. What have you done? You've taken us out here. 14.5, Pharaoh, let the slaves go. And he says, what have I done? I've just gotten rid of my whole labor force. Our economy is going to crash. The whole thing is going to be a mess. And we keep hearing these things about the economy right now. Is it, is it terrible? Is it good? Who knows? And he's thinking, what have I done? What have I done? I've lost all of these people that used to be working for me. 1524, Israel in the wilderness. What shall we drink? Ma, what shall we drink? Moses. 16, 1 through 8, Aaron and Moses complain 
against the Israelites. What are we that you should grumble against us? Ma, who are we? Who are we that you should grumble against us? We're just trying to do our best. 1615, when manna first came. Ma, nah, what is this stuff? What is this? We, we, we're supposed to go out and collect this food? Where, where'd this come from? What is it? What does it taste like? What do we do with it? Does it keep in the fridge? I don't know. 17.2, Moses says to Israel, Ma, what are you, what are you doing testing God? 17.3, Israelites, Lama. Ma is what? Lama is why. Why did you bring us out here? The Israelites were missing their victimhood. A lot of people love their victimhood because it gives them a storyline. It gives them a narrative, and they can blame everybody on the outside. I heard a fantastic podcast yesterday about what's called a locus of control. A locus of control is a psychological term for how much control you feel like you have over your life. And there's two kinds of people, people with an internal locus of control and people with an external locus of control. People with an external locus of control tend to complain all day long, and they believe that their life is a result of external forces. Well, the economy's terrible. The weather's awful. I grew up in a terrible family. Um, I don't like the president. I don't like the governor. The, you know, somebody's out to get me. It's someone else's fault. People with an internal locus of control, on the other hand, are people who say, if it's going to be, it's up to me, and I have a lot of control over what I'm doing. I've got agency. I can do things. And the people who focus on what they can do and see their lives as a result of their actions are happier, healthier, live longer, and get along with people better. No question external stuff affects our lives. It just does. It just does. There's external stuff out there that affects our lives. But if we focus more than half of our energy on the internal stuff, we're going to be happier. But when you're slaves, like the Israelites were, everything's external. You have no freedom. You have no agency. And they, they missed that because they could blame everything in their lives on someone else. And all of a sudden, they're free. And freedom is scary for people because you've got to get out there on your own. When people leave home, it's often a shock. Oh, my goodness. Someone's paying for car insurance. Oh, my goodness. Someone's paying for this and that. I've got to pay property tax. Where did that come from? All of these things that you take on responsibility when you move out of slavery, when you move out of childhood into adulthood, and we have a choice at that point. Are we going to focus on the externals or the internals? The truth is we have no control over the externals. I love the serenity prayer from 12-step groups. The Knowing what you can change, knowing what you can't, and the wisdom to know the difference. That's a really key. And to focus on what we can do. What can I do about it? What can I do to fix my life? What can I do to get a little better at something? What can I do to achieve some, to, to acquire some skills? What can I do to move myself forward? The more we focus on ourselves and the less we focus on other people, the more we take responsibility, the more of a sense of meaning we're going to have in our lives. It's not going to be perfect. Because sometimes the external world will wallop you, and it's real. Problem is, we just don't want to live there. But they, they, Israelites had lost their victimhood. Why'd you bring us out here? What are we, what are we going to do? There's no one telling us what to do. We've got we to make our own decisions. 
And 17.4, Moses turns to God. What shall I do with them? What am I going to do with these stiff-necked people? And they have to go into a place where no one has been before. None of the slaves had been before. They'd never been in the wilderness. They'd never been in charge of their own feeding and their own everything else. Back in the 60s, we had a Star Trek thing with a terrible, a grammatically terrible thing, to boldly go. It's a split infinitive. It should be to, to go boldly. But anyways, where, where no man has gone before. And when people say, ma, ma, na, la, ma, la, ma, na, why, why, what, 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 they're not asking for a scientific answer. They're probing the unknown. When you ask a question, what am I supposed to do with this? You're not asking for a scientific answer. You're, you're probing this unknown thing. And when the Israelites, and in Hebrew and in Arabic, the word ma is subversive, corrosive, blaming, accusatory. It's not just what or why. It's what? Why? What are you supposed to do about this? You're blaming other people. It's external locus of, of, of the whole thing. God comes to Eve in the garden and says, Ma, how could you have? He's blaming her. What, what have you done? I set up this whole garden for you. So there's this whole tension going on. And isn't that what's happening in our culture right now? Every single riot is, Ma, Ma, what? We're blaming everybody else. And yes, we do need to fix some things in our culture. But this, this sort of external blaming is boiling over. And it's subversive, it's corrosive, it's accusatory, and it takes us away from working on ourselves. And the wilderness is the best place to work on yourself. Even Jesus went into the wilderness to work on himself. Think about it. For 40 days, to get his head straight, to figure out what he was about. Paul spent time in the wilderness for the same thing. Came to faith, that big collision with God. Then he didn't go right out and do ministry. He went and wandered around and figured it out. Went, did some alone time. And in the desert, there's a tension between knowing and not knowing. There's some things they know, some things they don't know. And here's this leader, Moses, and Aaron, and Miriam, these leaders. They're taking these people to this promised land that these leaders have never seen. So why should we believe them? Why should we trust these leaders? So in this, in this pandemic, in the wilderness, Lots of, there's an abundance of opinions. There's an abundance of opinions in the wilderness with Israel. There's an abundance of opinions in this pandemic. And the truth is we get some of it wrong because we don't know that we don't know. And you know what? It's really good for us sometimes not to know. It's good for us to find out everything we can, but to realize there's limits to our knowledge. When Moses went missing, he went up on Mount Sinai to talk with God, and he was late coming back. Real late coming back. People wondered where he was. They didn't know. We don't know where Moses is. We don't know where he's gone. We don't know if he's coming back. We don't know if he's disappeared. So what did they have Aaron do? Make a golden calf, a God they could see and touch. Something tangible, because they were tired of this kind of woo-woo stuff all the way out there where they can't see and can't know. And the truth is, we can't know God totally. You're never going to master your relationship with God. You have to let him master you. It's a whole different thing. And to follow God means to go places you don't know, to boldly go where you haven't gone before, and to move out into the desert. The desert is really good for us, folks. 
the pandemic is a terrible tragedy, but there's a good side to it is we have to rethink what, we, what it is we're about, what it is we're being called to do. And Aaron made the golden calf for them because they needed a God they could touch, something they could see, something when they, they, they could follow. And God isn't like that. God is not figure outable. He's just not. He's a huge character. And he's going to do what he wants to do. And he's going to lead us places we don't know. And a pandemic, the good side of a pandemic is because we don't know how long this is going to last. We don't know what's going to happen. We have to trust God without knowing exactly what's going to happen. And that's hard to do. Even Moses' burial, nobody knows where he was buried. He went off somewhere and God buried him. And to this day, nobody's ever found Moses' tomb. Be kind of cool to find it, but uh, but still, it's a there's an unknowingness about this whole thing here. Midbar, the wilderness in Hebrew, empty space. This is where Moses, before the Ten Commandments, gives them the Sabbath commandment. What is the Sabbath? The Sabbath is empty space, empty time. It's a day we're supposed to keep empty. My wife and I do that on Fridays. We were out in our desert place on Friday, and I woke up in the morning, and I decided I wasn't going to schedule anything. I'm going to keep the day open to what the Lord asked me to do, and not just fill it with landfill, you know, that sort of time landfill. It just kind of fills in and just, just fills in the whole thing. Folks, People think that we lost our way when we stopped doing prayer in the public schools, and I think we should have prayer in the public schools. That's a whole other thing. But I think we lost our way in this country when we got rid of the Sabbath. Used to be on Sundays, things were closed. And it was unstructured time. And you didn't have appointments, and you didn't have soccer games, you didn't have other stuff going on, and you didn't have a bunch of things you had to do. And it's really good for people to have unstructured time once a week. It's desert. It's midbar. It's emptiness. It's it's in that not knowing what we're going to do and not knowing what the day is going to bring that we get closer to God. It's not about structuring it with all kinds of devotional stuff. It's a, it's about listening to God. God exists in the empty place. Where did he dwell? In the tabernacle and in the temple? Between the wings above the ark. What's there? Emptiness. There's no image of God, no golden calf. God is, in a sense, unknowable, just like our future is unknowable. This is why God forbade graven images and images of him being made, because God had to be above that. We don't want to have a picture of God. Jesus went 40 days in the wilderness to figure out what he was about. Fasting is a fantastic spiritual exercise. Why? We empty ourselves. We empty ourselves. My friend Robert Kaufman does uh, fasting almost every day. He eats less meals than most people. There's a word for that. It's intermittent fasting. And there's, he says he feels great after this becomes a practice where he starts to feel empty. There's something about fasting. There's something about the Sabbath. There's something about not knowing what's going to happen that raises our sense of desire. There's a Latin phrase for that, ex nihilo, out of nothing. Out of nothing is where life comes. It's where creation happens. We need to have some nothing and some unknowing in our lives to get close to God. We need to have some desert time. We need to have some Sabbath time. We need to have some fasting. We need to have some emptiness 
so that desire can arise. Desire for God. The Hebrew word for the soul is nephesh. And you know what? The nephesh is right, according to the Hebrews, right at the back of your throat. It's that part of you that's hungry. That's part of you that's thirsty. We're going to talk about manna. We're going to talk about water from the rock. It's that part of you that drives you through life. In non-sexual terms, it's like a libido. It's something that drives you forward. It's, it's that desire for life, getting up, wanting to move into the day, wanting to experience things in life, having hunger for life. That's soul. And when someone sings with a lot of soul, like Jessica did this morning, there's hunger and desire in that voice, a longing after God. And music does that for us. It's so important. I can't wait to start singing again together. So denier, denial, um, ex nihilo, out of nothing comes desire and our souls grow. Our souls grow during the Sabbath. Our souls grow in the desert. Our souls grow when we're fasting. These are, these are disciplines which bring us closer to God. And ironically, it's when things are the most empty. Who thinks we have too noisy of a culture? We've got earbuds, we've got noise, we've got all kinds of stuff happening all the time. My wife complains that sometimes I'm playing music all the time. And she says, can't you just be quiet in the house? And so we turn it down, and I'm thinking, ooh, what do we do now? Uh, is, is, can we drive the car without music type of thing? We've always got to have something going all the time, and our souls shrivel in that. So the Israelites were out in the wilderness, and they didn't know how they were going to eat. And there was no answer for that humanly. And they had to be surprised. And we can't be surprised by God if we've planned out our whole lives. We, we need to be open to what God's going to do. This is Exodus 16, 15. So when the children of Israel saw it, that's manna, they said to another, manna, what is this stuff? Uh, it, it's sort of a clean version of WTF back in there. It's just, what is this? You know, it's a, what is this? What? No, seriously, there's, there's an edge to it. There's a, there's a, there's a, a subvert. What is this stuff? What is this stuff? And Moses said to them, if they, they'd be texting that to each other. You know, it's a, what is this stuff? And Moses said to them, this is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. And I've got some bread here, and I want you to get some bread, because this is bread from heaven. This reminds us of God surprising us and God making stuff happen in ways that we can't fully understand. And the truth is, almost every big jump forward in your life came out of nowhere like manna. You didn't plan it. You didn't work for it. That opportunity just showed up, and there it was. And you, you did it, and there it was. And that's how life moves forward. So they also had trouble with water. And according to the Midrash, and the Midrash is the oral tradition around the Torah, which has been written down over time. According to the Midrash, Miriam was in charge of the water. And she was the person who made sure that they had water. And she was a person who brought it forth. So when the children of Israel, this is Numbers 20, verse 1, when the children of Israel, the whole congregation, came into the wilderness of Zin the first month, and the people stayed in Kadesh. And Miriam died there and was buried there. And look what happens. Now, there was no water for the congregation, so they gathered together against Moses and Aaron because Miriam was the water finder. 
the one who would find the living water, the water from the rock. And I want to say a few more things about Miriam, because she gets overlooked. Her name is Maryam, which means bitter. And according to the Midrash, she was a prophet before the Exodus. She was a prophet because she prophesied against her father, because her father said, we're not going to have any babies because the because the Egyptians are just going to throw the males into the, into the water and kill them. And Miriam said to her father, according to the Midrash, you're twice as bad as Pharaoh because you keep all the babies from life. And he relented and had a baby, and that was Moses. And Moses then would rescue the people. And she has a lot to do with water. She, she brought, you know, helped bring Moses down to the water, pulled him out of the water, gave him you know, the whole deal. And who was named after Mariam in the New Testament? Mariam. We call her Mary. Miriam is English for Mariam. Mary is also English for Mariam. Mariam, Mary, the mother of Jesus, was named after Mariam. And Mariam, or Miriam, was the one who led the singing in the tambourines after the Red Sea thing. And gathered all the women together. And she was, according to the Midrash, the proponent for having babies all the time, even if you're in slavery, even if you're in trouble, life must go on. We have to continue to be fruitful and multiply. And she went up against Moses once during the Exodus saying, hey, uh, you've married this other person and you're not, you're not having babies. What's going on? Are you really part of this life thing anymore? And so she was known as the one who would sing. And what did the Virgin Mary do when she heard about the baby and she ran across Elizabeth? She sang the Magnificat. There's, there's a singing that goes here. And Mariam brought forth water in the desert. And who brought forth Jesus who gives us living water? That would be Mary. There's huge connections. I love connecting dots in the Bible. It's just so much fun to do. Jesus was named after Joshua. Yeshua, Yeshua, Mariam, Mary, and Joshua led the people into the promised land. So there's all of these wonderful connections back and forth. Mariam means bitterness. And bitterness is, uh, uh, is how one feels in the desert. What are we going to do with this stuff? And the Jewish people jokingly say that Miriam was the person who had the rock that rolls because they believe, according to tradition, that the rock that supplied the water would roll with them as they move through the wilderness, and Miriam then would supply the water. That's uh, so the rock that rolls. You can make a song out of that. But anyways, it's, it's a song line in the wilderness. And she was known for that. When she died, the water stopped. And Moses tried to get water out of the rock at that point, and he did it wrong. And God says, well, you're not going into the promised land now. And if you just read the Torah, that doesn't make any sense. But if you see the whole story... He wasn't participating in the thing that she was doing to bring forth the water. And so when she died, the water stopped, and Moses hit the rock a couple times, and God came down on him and says, you're doing it wrong, and not just a little technique problem. You had the wrong heart. You don't have the heart of Miriam, your sister. So you're not going to the promised land. And it's, if you just read the Bible, it looks like God's being kind of a little bit too strict. But understanding what's going on here is really key. So what does Jesus say? I'm the bread of life. Got the bread here. Your fathers ate what? Manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, and the one may eat of it and not die. I'm the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he'll live forever. And the bread I shall give is my flesh, 
which I shall give for the life of the world. So Jesus identifies with manna, which has been upgraded. He is the bread of life. He says, man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of the Father. So we've got water from the rock. We've got bread, the living bread from heaven. And also Jesus says, he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Even as Miriam produced water, all believers can produce living water. Do you ever notice when a person full of faith and full of love comes into a room, it's like a refreshing water from the whole room? It can change the atmosphere of the whole place with that kind of joy. We can bring living water wherever we go because we have access to that source of living water. Got a couple practicalities, and I'm going to lead you through something. I'm going to invite Jessica to come up here and uh, just play a little guitar. Music kind of gets the living water flowing. That was Miriam's blessing through music. She was able to get the living water flowing. Some practical steps. Create some empty space. Create one day a week that isn't scheduled up. A day where you just walk into it like walking into the wilderness, asking God to lead you through the day and see what happens and see if you don't grow closer to God. Go ahead and feel the tension between knowing and not knowing. I think Americans are afraid of not knowing. We, we have to have an opinion about everything. Uh, people make jokes about Americans when I'm in Europe. I say, well, what's the difference with Americans? Well, Americans, if we ask for their opinion, even if they don't know anything about it, they'll come up with one. That's just, that's just the way you are. And, and you can do that. You get your oil changed, and you can ask the guy who's changing your oil, you know, what do you feel about the political situation in Taiwan right now with uh, mainland China, you know, kind of telling them they're part of it. He may never have heard of those countries, but he'll have an opinion. Because we, we have to have an opinion about everything in this country. And I think we need to get more comfortable with not knowing. To know what we know, to know what we don't know, to know the difference, and let God lead us through the wilderness, the part that we don't know. In that empty space, fasting, Sabbath, whatever it happens to be, that place where you don't know, let desire arise and let your soul grow. That's where our souls grow. Our souls grow in empty space. Israel became Israel in the wilderness. They went in slaves. They came out a free nation. And it took 40 years to wash that out of their system. And sometimes it takes a while to wash that slavery and that fear out of our system so that we can be free people who can function in this world. Find out what makes the living water flow for you. Find out what gets that moving with other people. And avoid time and verbal landfill, where we just fill our time with sounds and noise and everything else, and God doesn't have any room to work. I'd like you to get that bread and that water that you've got available here. And what I'd like you to do is get in touch with that empty space in your stomach. Unless you had a gigantic breakfast, there's room in there. And Linda, this morning we were talking, Linda Hines said, uh, we've all got that God-shaped vacuum inside of us. And I'd like you to get in touch with what you don't know, what you're not sure of. Your own destiny after you die? 
what God thinks of you, what you think of yourself. Just get in touch and tell the truth about yourself. Admit those things you don't understand. Admit that you've been landfilling like I do, landfilling your time and your space with all kinds of stuff. But we're going to spend about 30 seconds with just some guitar and no words, just some empty time. like you to do now is just get in touch with that desire for God that's in that quiet spot. God put that in everybody. We've got a, a natural homing device that leads us back to our creator. We often cover it with all kinds of junk. But let that desire for God arise. Just say the words out loud. I need you, God. I thirst for you. I hunger for you. During this pandemic, I'm going to create space to seek you and find you. I'm going to let go of my needing to know everything and let you guide me instead into things I don't know. Surprises like manna. I'd like you to take the bread if you would. This isn't communion. This is more of a recreation of manna and water from the rock. Take a, a piece of bread and go ahead and eat that. And think of the Israelites as they first grabbed a handful of manna. They say it tasted a little bit sweet, just like most bread. And even as food goes into those empty spaces in our bodies, thousands of molecules of nutrient are going to go to thousands of cells in our body from this one little bite. We pray, Lord, that you give us a hunger for, for your word, because we don't just live on bread. We live on your word. And Jesus says he is the bread of life. And, Lord, we want to say yes to him right now. Some of you might be saying yes to him for the first time. Some of you might need to re-up. 
And just pray out loud with me. Lord Jesus Christ, I want to receive you just like I received this bread. And even as this bread becomes a permanent part of me, I want you to become a permanent part of my life. It can't be extracted back out of me. You were named after Joshua, who led people into the promised land. I want you to lead me into my best life. And I give up control over that, Lord. And let you do the leading. And I take responsibility for my life. And I'll, I'm not going to blame other people, Lord. Take responsibility for the mistakes I've made, the sins I've committed. Because I know that you're going to get me past those. And now take the water. Heavenly Father, we remember Miriam who brought forth water for decades. And Lord, sometimes we don't share our living water with other people. And Lord, we're going to drink this together. And we feel the cool refreshing, Lord, in our, in our throats. And we want to be refreshing to other people too, Lord. Give us love for other people. Give us a desire to refresh other people. Lord, your son said, for all of us who believe, springs of living water will flow out of us for other people. Give us one person to refresh today. We pray that everywhere we go, people would say, there's something refreshing going on in the room right now. Because he's here, because she's here. We pray that you give us an endless supply, Lord. We pray that we would sing your praises and through the singing, like the singing of Miriam and the women, that would bring forth water from the rock wherever we are. Lord, we pray that you would transform us and Lord, we're proud to be called by the, the name of your son, Jesus Christ, Christians as followers of Christ. And we commit to a path, Lord, of emptying ourselves on a regular basis so we can let our desire for you arise. Pray for more of you, Lord. We don't want to be slaves, Lord. We don't want to be victims. We want to be free. And we pray, Lord, that you give us the courage to walk through the wilderness into our promise. There's no way to get to the promised land without going through the wilderness, Lord. So we pray for more of you. Amen. And if you've just prayed that and you're by yourself, please tell someone you've prayed that today. Or tell one of us. We'd love to continue to help your walk forward. And we're so glad to have you with us on the journey to have the Lord lead us into our promise together and your promise as an individual. Amen. And over to you, Kim Hines, our worship pastor. Amen. I don't know about you, but that sermon was pretty much just for me. So welcome to my brain and God speaking to me. Um, if you prayed 
that prayer for the first time or if you re-upped and if anything today just struck out to you, um, please contact us. We want to pray with you and for you. Um, you're not alone. You're part of a family, and we want to be here to walk with you through the good times and through the desert times, too. That's why we're here. Um, so reach out to Pastor Tamara if you want, her email. Um, you can also reach out to Pastor House. You can contact us on Facebook. Um, we want to walk along with you, though, so make sure that you reach out to us and let us know. <clears throat> Our prayer focus for this month, we're a family that prays together, and we believe prayer is a... Um, integral part of our relationship with each other and with God. So um, our prayer focus this month as a as a family are um, to pray against division and pray for unity, um, to pray for healing in and of our nation, to pray for peace and hope for everyone, to pray for restoration of our land and our businesses, and to pray for the eradication of COVID-19. And every month, we always pray for those who are in leadership above us. Um, we pray for our president. We pray for our governor and everyone making decisions on our behalf. And there are many people making decisions every moment of every day on our behalf. And we just want to pray that they get a fresh anointing on them and that they are open to what God has for us through them. And always pray for the protection and health of us, your pastors at the well, and that God guides the leaders of this church um, into making the decisions that he wants us to make. We're also a family that believes that reading the Bible is important. So um, this month, our sorry, our daily readings are actually posted on Facebook every week. Pastor Tamara makes sure that that is there for you. Um, so join us as we read um, corporately as a family together virtually um, so that we can all work together on this stuff. Um, there's also videos the house puts out daily that kind of walk us through our daily Bible verse as well. So be sure to tune into that. Alpha course is uh, going on now. A new course will start up on October 7th, uh, Wednesdays at 6 p.m. if you want to register. Make sure to email House. Your uh, His email will be on the screen, hphouse at gmail.com. I encourage you, especially if you were one that prayed that prayer today for the first time, to jump in and um, just be with other people. Ask questions that you may be afraid to ask. But um, there's no judgment. There's no anything. It's a free forum for you to come and learn as much as you want and to engage with fellow travelers. and. Um, kind of chew through some of the some of the things that are confusing because I've been a Christian my whole life, raised in the church, and I'm still confused on things. So come together with us and um, feel free to ask questions. Uh, Sundays we have teacher training. If you want to be a um, well digger with us and start home church, um, we would love to have you. Um, so teacher training is not just for those who want to be pastors. It's for anybody who wants to be a leader, um, and help guide others to to God. So teacher trainings, 4 p.m. Sundays on Zoom. Uh, this week is a business plan for your ministry. 
As always, our offerings, this church has been amazing. Family have been incredible. I will never be more in awe of this family than I have been the last six months. Um, checks, the Welletzer City, our physical address. Um, if you would like to give virtually and online, there are so many ways to do that now. Um, if you go to the tinyurl.com slash Malachi310giving, you will find a page full of ways that you can give. Uh, we do have a new, for those of you who are members of Patreon, um, that's a new way to be able to give. Um, basically like a monthly subscription to us. Um, for those of you on Patreon, you know what it is. For those of you who don't, go to the website, patreon.com, and you can find us at the Worldwide Well. So that's it. That's all we got for you. Uh, let's go ahead and pray ourselves out today. Father God, I thank you for the desert time. I thank you for the confusing times. I thank you for the manna that you give us. And I thank you for the still small voice that you are when you call to us in these desert times. Give us time this week to be still and to hear you and to know that you are there with us. We're not alone. It's okay to not know what's coming. It's okay to be afraid, but don't live in the fear. Help us to know that we are your children and you are with us. Guide us through these times so we can live on that mountaintop with you again. Thank you for everything you've given us, day in and day out, whether we deserve it or we don't. I ask that you bless us and keep us safe this week so that we can come together and be a family again next week. In your son's name we pray, amen. Have a great week. See you next.